Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I am your host. I bring you interviews with makers, artists, designers of all kinds from all over the world that identify as female, non-binary, or transgender. This week's guest is Joy Fire. Joy uh, is honored to participate in the long history of creativity in the community of Santa Ana, California. From her shop downtown, she makes commissioned pieces for her clients and forges objects that are entirely her own. While blacksmithing is her foundational practice, she also incorporates other mediums. Film, photography, cinefilm, and stained glass are all mediums Joy has explored to complement and support her work at the forge. Joy is also a teacher and considers that part of her work as an artist as well. She's a certified instructor with the California Blacksmith Association, a certified welder with the American Welding Society, a community education instructor in blacksmithing and bronze casting, and a welding instructor at Orange Coast College. Also, Joy is on the governance committee for the nonprofit Society of Inclusive Blacksmiths, which provides opportunities, visibility, and economic support for marginalized communities in the field of blacksmithing. Uh, it was a joy to speak with Joy, um, and I am happy to tell you, if you as you listen to the interview at the end, uh, she mentions that she was about to go on maternity leave. I believe it so happened either that night or the next day. She actually um, went into labor, and both her and and baby and father are all doing well. So uh, we wish you all the best joy in the adventure of parenting that you are now on. Well, since I know you're a listener, then you know I always start by asking my <laughs> guests to introduce themselves. So would you do that for me? Yes. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I'll give you the, the short, uh, quick and uh, quick as I can, short bio. Um, my name's Joy. I go by Joy Fire for all of my work. Um, and uh, starting from, I'm from Oregon originally. We were just talking about uh, living in California. Right now I'm based in Orange County. My shop is in Santa Ana, California, if anyone's familiar with the area. Uh, it's not quite LA, but it is sort of close to LA. Been here for a while. I used to live in Santa Barbara, which is a lovely town as well. And I was always, as a, as a kid, you know, one of those kids that's like always doodling and and um, you know, wanted to sort of wanted to be an artist or thought of myself as an artist, but uh, thought of myself as the, uh, you know, having the spirit of the artist, the sort of ennui and all that stuff, I think. Um, but the, I, I never was exposed to craft as art, really, as a kid, um, or the idea of it being uh, equivalent to art. It was always painting and drawing equals art. Mm -hmm. um, and I just did that a lot as a kid. My my parents, you know, were were super great, and so put me in art classes, um, and uh, that was a really good good thing for me. But it was still mainly painting and drawing. Um, and then when I decided to go to college, I thought that like I didn't know what I thought that art was like too impractical, you know, to study in college. I went to a liberal arts college. Again, parents very supportive. So I decided on English instead, which I don't know is much more practical than art, to be honest. But I also was a big reader. So I started in, in English um, and I minored in art. And that was a big deal because I, I finally like realized that I gave myself permission to sort of pursue that as a little bit more seriously. Um, and it was a liberal arts school. I didn't go to a specifically art school. So I majored in, in English for a while, minored in art. After, I think it was maybe two years in, um, I switched to just art because I, I just realized that's what I wanted to do more. And and again, very supportive parents, super grateful. They they weren't pushing me towards like, oh, you have to find something practical. They, they really encouraged all of us as kids to pursue what we enjoyed. Um, and they were very supportive in that. So 
I was getting into, I switched to, to full art major and then uh, I, I found myself drawn to printmaking. I was doing that. And we had a, a at my school, a stone carving class. Um, and that was really the first three dimensional stuff that I was introduced to. The printmaking we did, um, uh, printing on metal plates. So I like to think of that kind of as my first metal introduction. And uh, then I did a program that was kind of all that my school had. We, they still were very like classically oriented. I use classically in air quotes um, towards painting and drawing and illustration. And um, so I did, I did those sort of more traditional classes as well. I got to do a program abroad in Italy where I got to do uh, metal smithing, doing small metals, more what's typically thought of as jewelry, early size and kind of style of metalworking and uh, bronze casting there. Uh, and that was just so much fun. I loved it. And I just realized I was drawn towards the three-dimensional and whatever is messy and difficult and dirty. <laughs> uh, even in printmaking, you know, it's supposed to be this kind of clean and still classic and traditional. And, and I would have, you know, ink all over me. And uh, uh, my teacher would get frustrated with me for being so messy. I always cleaned up afterwards, but I liked the, I liked the messiness. Um, so that was what I was doing as a graduate or when I was getting towards the end of my four years. I did a performance art piece for my uh, senior thesis. So very different, I guess. But still, I think of that in when I think back in the lineage, it's very, it's physical. It's using your body. And that what is really what I do now, just in a different way as a blacksmith is using my body to make things. Um, so I happened upon a blacksmith shop as it was totally by accident in, in the town of Santa Barbara where I was going to college. Friend of a friend kind of brought me there and this the blacksmith shop, I didn't really know what it, like that this existed in in, in the modern world. So the, uh, for anyone else who doesn't know, like I didn't, um, they were, the, the shop was super small run by a couple brothers, uh, but it's custom ornamental architectural ironwork is how they would refer to it. So blacksmithing was a part of it in, like when you think of wrought iron, you think of gates and railings that have like all kinds of swirls and shapes and stuff. Um, that would be architectural ironwork. So we would be forming different shapes uh, using blacksmithing and then welding them together, fabricating them and, and installing them. Um, so it was this kind of mix of design, artistry and industrial fabrication. Um, and when I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's, that's the thing that I would like to do. <laughs> and so I uh, was able to talk with the brothers that ran the business and they let me um, work first as an apprentice. So I just said, you know, let me, I, I knew, you know, I'd use some power tools, right. Uh, but not a lot about, didn't know a lot about industrial fabrication or that kind of stuff, but I had experience like in the stone carving at least and the um, bronze casting using some of these types of power tools and working a little bit with metal. Um, so I, they, they let me apprentice, so I'd come in there for free um, when I was just finishing up college. So I would, you know, hold things, the, just be, paint stuff, like whatever, whatever, just to be around there. Uh, and they started paying me eventually. They were very fair and very kind, but that's where I got to learn how to be a blacksmith I would say in again the sort of luckiest way that you can do it which is by doing it every day as a job <laughs> um, so that was definitely super super fortunate for me and I yeah I loved I loved it um, they let me work so that was I worked there for eight years in in this business in this company um, they let me work after hours on my own stuff so I could use the tools I could come in on weekends and stuff like that so I started kind of doing my own designs there and I was mainly doing furniture we didn't as a company do a ton of furniture but there was it's smaller scale so I could do it on my own and um, that's what I found myself interested in and I had this mentality at the time which I think a lot of people have after going to college and especially art school you know I'm, I'm over I'm over art right <laughs> uh, I think uh, it's just like art too um too esoteric and too impractical and like I don't like the culture of it I'm gonna I'm gonna do like practical things like furniture that you can sit in and use and so I was kind of had this um this like I, I think of it as a bit of a, a 
what's the word, like a headstrong mentality of like, it can only be this or only be this. So I'm very kind of delineated like that sometimes. Um, so that's what I was doing and enjoyed that, loved that. Um, it was a great place to work. Eventually my partner, um, who I'm married to now, uh, got accepted to graduate school in uh, a school um, in Irvine, in Orange County. So that's why we moved. And there really wasn't a reason necessarily to leave the job, but I was a little bit, um, there wasn't a lot more that I could move up in the, in the company because it was a small company and I was kind of like, I want to try, I need, I need a little variety or something new anyway, but it was sad to leave that place. It was difficult. And then that was a big transition time for me trying to find, I just needed a place to do stuff still. Um, so I worked for a little bit at another place that was sort of metal fabrication. I got involved in what's called the California Blacksmith Association, um, which is a, a quite a large, there's different blacksmithing organizations around the US. Um, California just is a large state, so it happens to be one of the biggest organizations, the CBA. Anyone interested in blacksmithing for education, I do recommend looking into that organization if you're in the area. Um, because they're, they're very focused on education. They have events and stuff. And I've always found them to be great, great folks there. Um, so I found a, a blacksmith shop museum where I would volunteer and do tours for school kids, which was really fun. They would come, they would come in and then kind of try to, it wasn't like terribly serious, but it's one of those kind of living history museums where they talk about California history and, and stuff. And I would try to wear like traditional or something that wasn't, you know, with Nike logos and stuff on it. Um, and then talk to them about about making stuff and how fun it is to make stuff and sort of the history of um, how you might be an apprentice as a child. Um, it was really it's really fun to to work with the kids like that. Um, and that allowed me access to again a metal fabrication space or or at least the blacksmithing space where I could kind of keep up with what I wanted to do. And uh, eventually, kind of my partner and I decided we had enough ability or time enough to try to find a place to rent. Uh, it's difficult. Um, California is a very expensive place. But again, we were really lucky and found this place off Craigslist in Santa Ana. Santa Ana is a history, um, has a history of a lot of artists in that town. Um, there's a lot of traditional um, uh, Hispanic artists and there's just a long history there of a lot of like cultural uh, stuff and community. It's, it's a great, it's a great little town. It's, you know, has its own struggles with becoming gentrified. And I try to, I try to try to figure out how not to be a gentrifier. Cause that's exactly what I am. Sort of a white person moving into this space. Um, yeah. So I try to be really engaged with the community and, and, and like not be someone outside who's just like raising the, <laughs> raising the rent prices. Um, but we found it's a super cute little spot. It's a funny, you know, funny little sort of semi-industrial place in the middle of everything else. And um, been there since 2016. It's like 400 square feet. Um, it's myself who rents it. My partner pays part of the rent. And then another friend of ours who's a blacksmith. And he, uh, so we all pool our tools, which he has some of the larger tools. And I have some of the larger tools. So again, that's what made it affordable for us. Um, and, uh, he really doesn't, he has, a, a, an adult job. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't even use it all that much. So it's, uh, again, there's so many things in my life where I've been really privileged. Again, it's just worked out to be like, this is kind of my space and I get these tools that I, uh, didn't have to pay for and that I just get to borrow. <laughs> um, so very, very lucky in a lot of ways. Um, it's almost to the end of introducing myself. Let's see, I went back to, well, what I decided Eventually, I kept working, and I do. I try to take commissions, you know, trying to figure out how to make a living at this. Um, I do teach. I've I, I've been teaching uh, at Orange Coast College, a community college, uh, since 2019 in their welding department. So I teach. Mm -hmm. It's not in the art at all. It's in the industrial um, welding, and uh, I love that. Really enjoy it. I teach various blacksmithing classes. Sometimes I have private classes at my shop. Um, stuff like that. I have found teaching to be a very rewarding thing as well uh, because I love sharing the knowledge and seeing people's enthusiasm and and I've had so much support and help and just like good um, 
uh, good people helping me and just so many, like, like I've said, fortunate opportunities. So I want to spread that as much as possible and kind of give, give back as much as possible. Um, anytime someone contacts me, it's like, I'm interested in blacksmithing. It's found my shop. <laughs> let's, 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 let's talk. I'll have anyone over. Um, and uh, eventually I decided to, that I, I wanted to give myself time, a little bit more like focus on what my work was instead of making other people's work. Um, so I decided to go back to grad school and that was, uh, you know, well, you know very well, Katie, but anyone else who has gone through that, it's a, the application process is stressful. I think I did go through two rounds. Like I, I applied one year, didn't get in anywhere and then applied the second year. Again, my partner was a grad school student. So he, it was really helpful knowing and watching his you know, journey through just the, the, the rigmarole, I guess, the, the, the game, if you will, to learn how to navigate all of that. Um, and that's really hard. And if you don't know, if you've never had anyone in your life that's gone to graduate school, I don't know how you would know how to navigate all that. It's, it's not even mm -hmm. just filling out the applications, which is a lot of work, but just knowing, understanding the game, <laughs> sort of how yep. I think about it. So eventually I got, I got accepted. I just, chose um, a school called Claremont Graduate University. It's another, it was also a, a private school. Um, they gave me a full uh, funded scholarship, which is why I chose the school. It was, um, again, another thing that I was very fortunate for because grad school is also expensive. So I was trying to find schools yep. that either had funded, funded programs or where I could work as a TA and sort of offset the, the funding. Um, so they gave me, yeah, they, I didn't, I didn't even have to uh, pay tuition. So I just had to pay like the fees and stuff. So, and, and it was a two year program. Um, so that's what I did. I finished that in May of last year was when I graduated. Um, it was, yeah, it was a lot of busy times. I kept up still teaching and working in my shop. Um, but it was, it was also a time where I could, I did focus on like thinking about what my work was. I, I still don't know. I didn't like come to an ending conclusion, but I've thought about it more. I guess, and I keep, <laughs> keep working on it. It just sort of started the process. So I, I think of myself, uh, I was thinking about this earlier preparing for this interview. I, I think of my, I think I like, um, in, working in, in between spaces and in sort of contradictions. So I'm sort of, an artist who's a crafts person and a crafts person who thinks about arts and a blacksmith who's a welder and an artist who's a teacher, you know, and so I've kind of, I like the, sometimes I like, well, not sometimes, I like the contradictions of all these things. Um, and I like just like when I say I teach and, or I'm an artist and I teach people, say, people say, oh, you know, what kind of sculpture classes do you teach? No, I teach yeah. welding, <laughs> like for industry, you know, and uh, I enjoy those sorts of things. Um, and I think that is my work, my my personal work then also has a lot of these, I like, I don't know if you call it the gray areas, but the both and, the this and, the, the everything all together kind of work. <laughs> so that's yeah. my, I hope, <laughs> fairly short enough <laughs> introduction of myself. Awesome. So I guess I didn't realize you had done the grad school thing as well. Um, yeah. You said yours was a two-year program? Correct. Yeah, my, mine's a three-year program. It goes, mm -hmm. the first two years are just a master's of art. And then as long as they, they well, the way they pose it to you is as long as you don't screw up majorly, then you get invited for the third year to be an okay. MFA so that you can get a terminal degree and teach. I see. Interesting. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, mine, mine was two years. I, I'm glad, I mean, it was okay that it was two years. Like it, I was, I was tired at the end. So I, I could imagine going for three, it might be a little worn out, but also I do wish I, that I had more time as well. So I think three years is, is good. <laughs> yeah. I thought about that. Like even just because <clears throat> my first semester so our program is paid for through TAing, like I TA, right. so I don't have to pay tuition and I get, you know, yeah. a small stipend. Um, and so my very first semester, it was like, 
teaching one class and taking four, three of which were studio art classes. Oh and it about killed me because the fourth one was yeah. art history, which is a lot of um, Ooh, yeah. reading and writing. Um, right. Because we have so many art history classes we're required to, to okay. take. And so I cut back, you know, to just three classes, two being studio art and one being art history. Um, uh -huh. In addition to the teaching, that's what I'm doing this semester. And it's a little less hectic, but then I find myself like struggling, even looking at classes for next semester of like, but I want to make sure I get like everything in that yeah. I possibly can, you know, like to learn yeah. everything that I want to learn during this time. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, mean, took I think. I took what? classes outside of the art program too in, I think I only took one, I thought maybe two, but in visual studies. I mean, I was always so, um, I wish that I could take classes, you know, everywhere in every department. And I do enjoy learning and being in that educational environment. Um, it was also, I started, did I start in 2020? Yeah, I started in 2020. Um, and so it was, it was pandemic yeah. time. So it yeah. was, I don't think I had it quite as, as bad as like some students who had to start right, like all the way through the, or worked through the sort of yeah. the beginning, the intensity of it. We had at least kind of gotten used to it a bit, um, but still like campus was closed officially and just yeah. like the, the sort of natural interactions that you can have and like finding new things and like what's this over here and learning and learning from other people that you happen across that didn't happen and I think that was something that I I mean obviously it was unavoidable but it was it was something that I think changed my educational experience and of course millions of people had to go through that um in yeah. various <laughs> levels of their education <laughs> and, yeah uh, yeah I definitely I've I've talked with a few um you know, undergrads that are in my program and other programs on campus and, you know, the ones that are kind of just coming up for graduation now, it's like, yeah, yeah. they took a lot of these studio art classes virtually and like yeah. didn't have access to, to labs or, you know, shop spaces. Yeah. Um, and so the, what they got to learn was so reduced down you know to mm -hmm. like well what can somebody do within their apartment um yeah you know and or a just, bedroom <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah. exactly so One, yeah I'm definitely glad I'm I'm started after well pandemic is still going mm -hmm. but at least back in person yeah. and and all of that yeah um but I also like we that would, you brought up the point of like if you don't know anybody who was who's done grad school like just even navigating yeah. all of that yeah. space and that's really interesting because like I one of my sisters had just graduated from grad school but in a totally mm. you know totally different field totally mm -hmm. different setup of how her grad program worked mm -hmm. and I knew it was going to be stressful and a lot of work and mm -hmm. it was going to be interesting trying to balance home family life and and school um mm -hmm. but i was not prepared for and i'm interested in and want curious to see if you had a similar experience mm -hmm. i was not prepared for how much like internal like reflection gets done and mm -hmm. like you know, there's things that have come up for me that I thought mm. years ago, I've dealt with all of those mm. emotions or feelings or thoughts, you know, and, and it's kind of yeah. all coming back. And so that's like a different level of overwhelming. Like, it's like the work mm -hmm. I can, you know, I've always been a hard worker. I can keep up with that. It's not like the workload that scares me or yeah um, the balancing life in school is a little bit hard but even that doesn't scare me but it's like just all of the stuff coming up or especially being in a space for me you know I'm well now I'm 41 but around all of these mid 20 year olds and just mm -hmm. like that dynamic 
brings up stuff mm. and figuring out like yeah. how to navigate in a space where I don't really like I'm definitely kind of like a square peg in a round hole mm -hmm. you know it's it's like this space was not made for me so how do I fit mm. into this space yeah that's that's interesting I think some of my experience I could say was similar to that but some certainly was different um I'm 33 now. I was a little bit of an older student. Like many of the students went went undergrad, grad school. Yep. I definitely was glad that I had that space in between um, to to grow. And and I don't know. I think after you're not done. Well, you're never done growing. But like after my 30s, for me, was when I yeah. felt like yeah. some of that um, some of that internal stresses sort yeah. of solidified. So it's like, okay, we're relaxed now. We know, we know yeah. who we are. <laughs> yeah. um, but the personal, the, the struggle, I guess, uh, that I can identify with what you're talking about is, for me, it was a little bit different, not necessarily dealing with inner, uh, like, identity issues, maybe, or like you're talking about inner, uh, working through some inner um I don't want to use the word traumas lightly because I'm talking about good or bad, but inner experiences, sort of self-reflection, yeah. through kind of therapeutics type work. Um, I I think there is some of that, and my work is obviously I I think that all artwork is personal and comes from the personal place. But for me, it was a little bit more about um, self confidence and finding the yeah. confidence to. And I still like I'm only now starting. I think to get a little bit better about like doing what I want to do and I would be the way that our program worked is you you met you meet with your professors one-on-one -on -one and have these critique discussions of your work and it felt like I was so I was so swayed each time because it's everyone bringing in their their own yeah. perspective and their what they like and don't like about art um and their kind their particular style of work so I would that was the hardest thing about like it would change every time and I yeah. I I guess maybe now what am I almost a year out from it I can appreciate that that it should uh well that can I think the idea is that that can strengthen you by like solidifying what you like helping you to to, to not be swayed by all those things yeah. <laughs> um but that was the difficult part for me and trying to find again as like craftsperson and artist uh like yeah. where I fit because I was interested I'm I'm interested in as I think your work is like the 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 craft of the process the skill yeah. of it the hand work like that's that's what's fun but I also when I was sort of purely working as a, an industrial fabrication like I missed the conceptual yeah so I'd be, yeah. I'd make you know a piece of furniture and in my head there's all these stories and there's this this explication that's happening there and so I had to and I wanted to go into back into art world to like explore that but it was that yep. push and pull hard and our our program didn't as a, I think many programs um maybe maybe it's particular to California but I explored a lot of programs not a lot of them focus on technique or teaching yep yep technique or process so it's it's I was doing that sort of part of the work on my own as my own mm -hmm. expert already and then it's just about and it was hard for me to it felt like like uh, again this I guess the square peg in the round hole that you were talking about yeah. um there was not anyone people who at the school who like understood craft work also yeah. um so it was difficult to explain well this you know this part of the concept maybe is because of how this is made yeah um, and it's not just about the shapes it's about the process um yeah so that, that was kind of a, a struggle for me um and I I don't know what there's different I have a friend who's in grad school right now in uh Carbondale and her work is like her her um program is blacksmithing focused mm. so like it's they have blacksmithing classes um yeah integrated into as the the classes so I'm curious to hear more about her experience when she when she finishes and yeah. to kind of compare it. um and I don't know there's probably good good and bad parts about both of those and I um 
I'm grateful to what I did get to experience yeah. there at grad school, uh, no matter what. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would, I would 100% agree with the the craft aspect. Like mm. my program is definitely extremely more focused on, um, you know, mine's 3D design, so it's generally furniture related so far, um, or you know, some kind of like home decor piece or you know functional mm. piece like lighting or something but it's definitely more focused on like okay we get the design you get the form figured out you worry about how you're going to actually make it second uh, and yeah um, and my I've really had a hard time with this because my mm -hmm. mind automatically goes to how am I going to make this thing like how yeah. am I actually going to make it work? And because I do that, like I really struggle to get the aesthetic and the design piece brought in because I stop mm -hmm. myself, right? Like I might have an idea yeah. for a shape or a form and I automatically in my head just go, nope, because I have no idea how I'm going to make that. I have no idea. So yeah. I have to stop. Um, yeah. And so that's been like a definitely big struggle. And it's also though been kind of nice because all of like you, like the rest of the grad students for the most part in the program in my cohort went undergrad grad school and, uh -huh. and, and a lot of them within the same university in the same program. So mm -hmm. like, it's been interesting because I come in with all this like woodworking knowledge and yeah. they appreciate it because they're like, okay, this is what I want to do. How do I do that? And like, yes. I'm allowed to like, like I'm able to actually help walk them through like, okay, you yeah. need to do this and then this and then this. And, you know, um, so it's really interesting. And even to the point like our program is very focused on using technology that's available now versus, hmm. again, versus maybe like traditional craft. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So like 3D printing and CNC work and laser and all of that. And even down to that level, like, like the class I'm teaching right now, or, you know, TAing with um, the director of our program on, like we have to design three pieces of flat pack furniture that will be cut out mm. on the CNC and like mm -hmm. thinking through joinery and stuff like people, yeah, you know, there's so many people in the class, like even just understanding things like, is there wood movement? How much of an allowance do I need to make yeah. so that it goes together when, when I, you know, right. cut it out and all of that stuff. Yeah. And it's like those details, it, it just boggles my mind. Like that can be a whole class in itself. Like yes. just that aspect of it. Um, yeah. So I think like it gave me maybe more understanding of like, why do craft schools exist? I think craft schools yeah. exist because those are where we have to go to actually learn the skills of like bringing our, right. our visions to a reality. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I know a lot less about, uh, because that's not been my experience going through those craft schools, I've gone through the more traditional schooling process. Um, I have a lot of friends who work in craft schools, and uh, I've done like a couple uh, um, kind of workshops in blacksmithing, um, but not a lot that I've been able to pursue or maybe not have chosen not to pursue like blacksmithing training outside of just my like learning on the job and learning on my own and, and going to again the CBA like has conferences and you watch other people and you learn yeah. do small stuff like that but um yeah I haven't had a lot of training on in in well I, mean, I, I guess I've had some but um haven't focused on any kind of like long-term or more focused education in the techniques of blacksmithing um and I guess like, everyone maybe maybe it's again they're sort of good or bad for both of it um because I've developed my own kind of work and stuff but I have I have had the privilege of learning from some really great people as well um but yeah I feel like there could be two separate modes of education it could be craft school yeah. to figure out <laughs> 
how to do the thing and then art school to figure out why you're doing the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. I just feel like, and I'm not quite sure how that divide happened between like yeah. art and craft or design yeah. and craft. Like, yeah, I don't know why it exists. Like I, it right. boggles my mind. Like even I remember, yeah. I don't even remember who I was interviewing for the podcast that was a metal worker. And that was the first time I had ever heard, like she does fabrication work for art, other artists. Yeah. Like artists that come up with the idea and then they take yeah. it to somebody else to like make knows it. How to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and that just blew my mind because I was like, how can you not want to make the thing yeah. that you're like dreaming up? Like I just, I didn't understand that concept. And I right. think, I think that comes from people in more of the traditional path of um, higher education. Like that is what's put out there as an option. Like even in the classes I'm yeah. teaching, our professors are like, you could always just hire that out. Like you come up with the idea mm -hmm. and you just hire the fabrication out, um, mm -hmm. which again, boggles, not just because why don't you want to make it, but also like, you have to understand aspects of how things go together to me in order yeah, to understand designing. the yeah. whole design. Like, right. you know, if you don't you, know how that works, you're not, you're not going to be a successful like designer in my mind yeah. anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I've worked with, I, I have worked with artists doing fabrication stuff for them and and I don't mind uh I, I worked with a good friend of mine very recently on a sculpture and you know she's there the whole time like working with me um so you know I have this expertise right and she, she wouldn't have be necessarily be able to pull off the fabrication of this entirely alone but at least like this is working together and we worked we worked very well together um but yeah, I, I I think another thing that comes up in that kind of discussion too is a problem of um, like credit, crediting the work. And then we have this socially elevated idea of what the artist is versus what someone who can fabricate the, the work is. And we, I think the, so the divide that you were talking about is, is a, it's a pretty, probably a human thing. We like to categorize, we like our boxes and stuff. And uh, making, you know, certain, fitting certain things into certain boxes that, to make it kind of easier. Um, and it's harder when when things kind of are amorphous and don't fit into a box. Um, but the, the what I find uh, that I think is, is very problematic in the art world is the, the kind of idea of the elevated artist who like has the ideas, but they don't know how to execute it at all. Is that, and uh, is that a, problem is that a feature like I I think that you're selling if you, you know you're selling a piece of work for a couple of thousand dollars and you have your name on it but did you were your hands in it or were you just was just your brain in it and is there a difference there um so I think trying to break down the hierarchies that exist so that's one of the things in in craft art world that I do find interesting and a lot of my friends um other friends who are blacksmiths find it kind of intriguing and, and just like the, the play or the trying to break down that differentiation. Um, there's a really great author named Glenn Adamson who writes a lot about art and craft. And um, I guess he, some of his books, he would say like the, it's not necessarily helpful to have the discussion of what's the difference. Um, just do the work that you do, I guess. <laughs> But he has yeah. some some great kind of historical um, uh, examples, and he writes about like the arts and crafts movement and uh, a lot of stuff like that. He's been really interesting. But yeah, I I think that's one because of my nature of um, the my partner always likes to joke that I like to do things the hard way. <laughs> so I you know I want to be a crafts person, like putting my craft work in a gallery and having you pay attention to it. Yeah, in the gallery yeah. way, like elevating it but then I want it to be craft work that has a you know its own conceptual background too so I right I yeah I do things the hard way <laughs> it's just part no, of how I, I think, am I think that is good I mean yeah I totally agree with bringing up like the, the hierarchy or 
Yeah. I think you're spot on. And honestly, I think it might be the reason I fought even the idea. Like I wouldn't even like let my brain settle on the idea of grad school because I kind of was like, fuck you. Like, why mm-hmm. should I have to go to grad school Yeah, in order for my work to be seen as valuable yeah. as, you know, an artist to your point, like, or, you know, somebody that is being elevated, their ideas are being yeah. elevated. And honestly, what got me there was just the idea of like, actually, I'm kind of going. So my hope is to break the whole system apart. Like that is really what I want to do is to be able to take things that I learned during grad school and say, and like, disseminate it to the masses. Like this isn't Mm -hmm. something that just a small few people should get to do. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, that just doesn't make sense to me. And I think what came to mind when you said that kind of elevated state was the idea of just even like the blue collar worker, the people who Mm -hmm. use their hands day in and day out to make everything that we use from food to furniture to housing, Mm -hmm. everything. And especially if you start breaking that down even further to looking at generally the color of the skin of the people who are doing mm-hmm. all of that work, like yeah. they're valued less on the hierarchy of human. Yeah. You know, when, yeah. and yeah. generally, culturally. And so yeah. I think that automatically elevates these things that get to be put in a gallery. And it, it goes... Yeah. It goes to things like, you know, I really think that as I've been uh, applying for shows and competitions and stuff like that, I've really had this thought in my head of like, I really wish I didn't have to put any information about myself into this. Like, Hmm. because I think all of us, when it comes down to it, just want to be judged on our work and what we like create. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to be an artist mm. or I just want to be a designer. I don't want to be identified as like, yeah. well, she's a white female queer artist or she's so, you know, like that kind of yeah. thing. Like, if you took yeah. all of the information away and just put forth the work, I do truly wonder if just doing that would diversify the field automatically because you wouldn't be working on any bias. You would just be looking at the work. There's nothing else there to say like, that might be cooler than this piece because, you know, I know something more about the artist. I don't know. It's just a thought that's come to mind. That's That's a very interesting thought experiment. If it was totally, that'd be really fascinating to do a, to like curate a show and have a, a call like that where it's, like the curators are not allowed to Google anything yes. about the, or you don't have a name, you would have to take out names so that you remove like any gender biases or cultural biases yeah. or would be a really fascinating thought experiment. I would, I think a little bit more that I'm interested in what's called in, in sociology, the positionality of the artist, like my position in the world as a white cis person who is married to a man and is currently pregnant therefore has you know straight passing privilege but considers myself yeah. personally it's very complicated right. Right. stories that we tell about ourselves um and I guess that's I I love I think the thing that I like about art the most or craft is the humans you know the people that make it so I, I think that's interesting and then when I sort of think along those lines I also a struggle with I don't like to be perceived or talked about as a woman blacksmith that's that's usually how I get categorized um but it's a reality too so I I have struggled with that and it's a reality that there aren't as many women black women blacksmiths or female presenting blacksmiths at all and and therefore maybe my presence in sort of embracing that even if it's uncomfortable for me is might be helpful to someone else um 
And then I think about like my trans femme friends who like, it's very important to be, to be perceived as a woman blacksmith to be able to have that privilege as well. So I, it's a, yes, all humans, all humanity. (laughs) Uh, That is the really interesting stuff to me though, is, uh, uh, you know, human beings and how we, how we interact. And I think about my work, getting back to the, the work that I make the, I think about my work doesn't, um, it doesn't, it almost doesn't exist when there's not someone to interact with it. Or like if I make a piece, you know, I, I make a lot of pieces for myself and use them at home, but that was also a difficult part about grad school and just about art in general is once you make something, trying to get it out there, like it's not a, well, I hope it's not just like a narcissistic need to be paid attention to, but it's like, I I made this thing and the whole point is to like talk to you about it yeah. yep. um, or to show it to you or like, what do you think about it? Um, and instead of just like, you know, filling my house with a million tables, you can only use one. Uh, like well, I want to share a few it with- extra. Yeah. If you're short on a table, I've got a few extra. We'll trade tables. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And that's something that I felt like grad school did miss a little bit about, and I don't know how you teach that. And they, they try to teach that, but there was some missing of like how you actually get work out there or how the, 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 even the gallery process to me is still pretty opaque of like, I apply for shows and stuff like that. I'm sure that you do. Um, And I, I, yeah, I've gotten gotten very fortunate in some things, but it's still, I don't quite know how the whole system mm-hmm. works. It's still a bit mysterious to me, even though I'm trying to, theoretically, would, I'm a yeah. Right, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I absolutely, I mean, that was the, when I say, like, I really want to kind of break apart the system, that was one of the yeah. things. It's like, yeah. I feel like there's this information being held hostage. Yes. And until you, like, know the right person who knows the right person who knows the right person to figure it out you just don't know um yeah I mean my grad program we get to go do things like events you know like shows in Milan Uh and shows in New York and stuff like that that that's great that was one of the things that drew me to this particular program in addition Mm. to it being you know local to me was like I can learn I can go to those things and network and then figure out who are the people to network to and then share that information because it shouldn't be held hostage. Like it shouldn't be this hard to figure out. You know how many years I have spent Googling just like, how do you make it? It's like, what do you need to do? And even with all the blogs out there and all of the like how-to stuff, it still was not a clear-cut like path. It didn't, it doesn't feel like a clear-cut path. And maybe it isn't. Maybe being an artist is never a clear-cut path. Like there is no A, B, C, you know, but I think it should be more transparent to your point than than opaque as it seems to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's why... I, like I was saying before, anytime someone comes to me enthusiastic about blacksmithing, come to my shop or I will do whatever information or knowledge I have, you know, I'm, I don't know if it'll be helpful, but I'm going to tell you the names of these people. I'm going to tell you the names of these places, yep. like any connections I can make for you. Um, and that leads me in, if I can, to the, to one other thing I wanted to to put out there is the organization that I work with. Um I think I wrote, uh, there, yep. uh, you know a little bit about Society of Inclusive Blacksmiths. Yep. And I've had, um, um, why am I blanking on her name? Um, Rachel. I know her, Lisa her handle is, is, is red something. Uh, Rachel. That's Rachel. Yes, Rachel. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you've had Rachel on the show? I have had Rachel on the show. So oh, she great. also brought it I up. Yeah. But. I I definitely welcome anything else you want to add about it because I think it's a good yeah. organization. Yeah, so it's called the Society of Inclusive Blacksmiths for listeners. Anyone interested, it's, it's very sort of myopically focused on blacksmithing, but we try to have a, a large definition of what blacksmithing is, includes metal smithing, you know, sort of anything where you're heating up metal and shaping it. 
Um, but that's why I love being involved because just as the path to being an artist is kind of opaque, the path to how do you learn how to be a blacksmith? I mean, we don't have like a guild system. We don't have blacksmithing classes in our schools uh, like we do English class or, or whatever. Um, and there you have to pay for them. So you have to pay for them out of your own pocket. You have to find them. And then um, we are specifically an organization that wants to increase representation in blacksmithing because we want to support specifically uh, women and non-binary folks, queer people, people of color, like in the U.S., blacksmithing has very much been relegated to cis male uh, identities and also those that have um, uh, more funding, you know, have a, have more money available to them to pursue it as kind of a craft and hobby because most people, it's very hard to make a living at it. So a lot of people work work at it or do it as the as a hobby and i think you know anyone who wants to should be able to participate so that our organization gives grants and uh ships uh, and kind of everything we can do like i was saying from my my personal philosophy everything i could we can do as an organization to connect other people get information out there so we share i do the social media managing so i share like other scholarships to craft schools um, we partner with other organizations to be able to share these. Here's a, like Surf Plus was one recently. They have emergency funding grants. Um, they had a program for a $500 uh, studio uh, safety prep grant. Um, and then we have our own fundraising and we give grants to schools and specific classes um, as well. We just run our, our first big grant program where we gave away grants for tools uh, for, for sort of smaller scale beginning blacksmiths and then for professional blacksmiths. Um, and then we did educational grants for going to different places. Um, so I, that is my way of trying to, what I'm involved in to try to, in my own way on a very small, again, it's like blacksmithing in this very small little corner of the world, but that's like where I feel like I can do something sort of as far as social justice or improving the world goes. We all have to find our thing. It's not, you know, it's not going to change the world, but I hope it makes things better and nicer think, and happier for people. <laughs> I think it does change the world though, because to that, to that point, I feel like you probably maybe have had similar struggles of thinking through how do I make a change, like a yeah. real change? Um, how do I show up for a community that yeah. has traditionally been shut out, you know, of yeah. so many places? And, um, and so I've had to do kind of similar things of thinking through like, where do I feel? I have to start where I feel comfortable. If I ever yeah. plan to push myself outside of my comfort zone, I have to start here and feel like I'm making yeah. um, traction. And so, yeah. you know, that's, that's where I started is what do I have yeah. access to and what can I actually make change on? Cause that's kind of the other thing is things like, um, you know, laws and all of that kind of stuff, things yeah. that I'm also very passionate about. Like, mm -hmm. yes, I vote. Yes, I sign petitions. Yes, I share things with, you know, people within my circle. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really hard to keep doing all that and then continue to feel like that's not making a difference. So yes. it's like, I need to make a difference within my small circle in yeah. order to feel, even just to fuel myself to keep going. Um, yeah you know so That's I think I think that what you're doing with that is important uh because even if even if let's say a young trans girl sees that organization or hears you know this mm -hmm. interview or anything like that um they might not want to be a blacksmith but it might give mm -hmm. them permission to go do something else that they feel like they yeah. really, like traditionally couldn't do so I think yeah it's valued on all levels like it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to stay within the small you know the smaller community it can go bigger that's that. true yeah yeah that is true that's a good point and just one of the things I think about on social media especially just because it's a visual thing and we don't always read you know I'm like spending a long time writing all these posts and stuff and I don't know how many people read it but just being able to see like 
something different. Yeah, a, a, a trans person or someone, uh, you know, person of color forging when usually when you think of a blacksmith, the, the you know, what pops into your mind is going to be an older white guy with a big beard. Like it, that's what it's, it's going to be yeah, most likely. Yeah. But we can change that just in our little bit of a way. If we change and disrupt sort of that uh, image, then yeah, maybe it, it disrupts it, not just for blacksmithing, but um, for other other practices or you know other aspects yeah. of, of society. And I and I want to add then too, and, and you may or may not be aware of uh, Crafting the Future is another oh, yeah. organization. Yeah, Great. so I think like, all of these organizations can kind of meld together, work together yeah. and just expand yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always just whatever info we can, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it. And um, like I, I, there's someone coming into town who I, I met through like through Instagram, through Sibs that I feel like, you know, I know them, sure. Uh, but we've never met in person. And so now we can make connections though. And um I think the connections, interpersonal connections are really valuable. Yeah, community and support and feeling, uh, you know, safe and uh, in, a, in, a, in a place. I mean, that's one of the things that we're, we're trying as far as like getting classes out there or like telling people about classes. We want to tell people about classes where they're going to be respected <laughs> and not have a bad experience too. Um, and yeah, it's been a really positive uh, the, uh, um experience for me just like being able I feel like I'm so privileged to get to volunteer the way that I do to get to interact with all these people I'm the one that's just like chatting along with people on the right. emails and, you're so cool everyone's so great yeah. I love you <laughs> I know <laughs> it built it, it's it yeah, yeah it really helps me get through through the, yeah. the day yeah I feel the I feel the same way I'm always like oh this person's so cool they do such yeah. cool things <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Um, I have like a million other questions I really want to ask uh, you, so I'm just going to tell you right now that I feel like I'm going to have to have you on again at some point in time. Uh, sure. It's all stuff um, I love talking about, so I can talk. <laughs> um. But uh, we are at the end of this time together. So I want to make sure you let people know how they can find you and sure. follow along with you. Yeah, uh, Instagram, I'm not super great about updating it all the time, but I, I am on there. Um, it's joyfire at joyfire. Uh, my website is joyfire blacksmith. Um, if you Google joyfire blacksmith you should be able to find all my my handles and my stuff um and i do try to have a lot of photos on the website and um keep up well so sort of keep updated with that but that's that's a good place to see kind of my older portfolio and then um if you want to chat with me at all then find me on instagram my email is joyfireblacksmith at gmail.com you can email me too and then society of inclusive blacksmiths so we're inclusiveblacksmiths.com is the uh, website and at inclusive blacksmiths on instagram so if you hit either of those up you'll also be talking to me just so you know <laughs> well for a while at least i'm going to be i'm going to be going on uh, maternity leave here in like a week or so so i'm oh wow I'm so about ready that must to mean that. you're you're close when yeah when is, april 4th if you're is okay when, to share yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's first baby first time um it's been really fun and I'm really uh, excited. Yeah, but it's gonna be a very new and different part of my life, which is exciting. And it will be, uh, yeah. and I wish and you, know, you both all the luck and your life will never, ever, 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 ever be the same again. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah and, seeing, and seeing all the people, ways. Yeah. perhaps people like you that have families is one of those ways where it's, but that's, you know, been a little thing that's like, oh, you know, I can do it too. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. You yeah. will find a new rhythm. You will find a new, you know, way of working. And um, I will say becoming a mom, uh, I thought I was good at multitasking before becoming <laughs> a parent. Uh, I am truly awesome at nice. multitasking now. Uh, so <laughs> you have that to look forward to. <laughs> great. Great. Thanks so much for having me on, Katie. It was. It's been really wonderful talking with you. Yeah, same here. Thank you so much. Um, I'll include links uh, how to follow along with Joy 
and the Society of Inclusive Blacksmiths in the uh, description of the episode. So just check out that description on your podcast app uh, and click on those links. So as mentioned at the end of uh, last episode, uh, the podcast will be coming to an end. There is actually now four more interviews. I, I have one more coming up that I'm kind of sneaking in under the radar, but there will be four more interview podcasts and then one episode to kind of wrap things up as I reflect on the last five years of uh, of having the honor to be the host for the podcast. So um, super uh, conflicted feelings about the podcast ending, but I know it is is the right choice for for me right now. So um, just so you know, if you're one of, have been one of the patrons over on Patreon, I did pause that, well, cancel that so that you won't be being charged any further for, um, in support of the podcast since it will be ending. So you can be, be aware of that or be on the lookout for that. And um, yeah, but I will continue to have the RSS feed up so you all will have access to, I think we're going to end at like 292. So all 292 episodes should remain up so you have access to those as time goes on. Um, and uh, all right, so uh, next week, we'll be back with another brand new episode. And uh, in the meantime, I hope you are getting to get to some creativity, some crafting, some making, and uh, help craft a revolution. Solution for the toxic masculinity is pollution is the constant evolution of a broken institution. So here's our resolution. We're going to revolution.